You're listening to El Yoshi Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Are you ready? Yes. We're recording. <laughs> I'm ready. I just did your podcast and I am so unprofessional. I don't tell them like, hey, with fake personality, go to my iTunes, <laughs> give me a five stars, donate, something Stitcher and iTunes something something and, you know. Are you saying that I'm fake, Yoshi? I didn't say that you're professional. But what I, I what I really need is people to donate to Yoshi Din because uh, it's getting rough. Um, I know some of you are listening to the show, and I say some because even though people upload my episode, that doesn't necessarily mean they listen to it. And even if they listen to it, they don't listen to all, all the way. And even if they listen to okay, all the way, Yoshi, but the doesn't mean they appreciate. Right now are listening, so yeah. So they're, they're listening. So donate. Um, donate to Yoshi Din at PayPal. Yoshiden at gmail.com. I think that's how you donate. Or you go to yoshiden.com. There's a place you could click on. But I haven't got donations so long. <laughs> I forgot that people could do that. So th- this is June 6th, which is D-Day. For those of you who don't care about the world and history, uh, it was June 6, 1944. We invaded Normandy, uh, occupation Germany. What do you mean we? You're Japanese. I love, I love world history. <laughs> so... Um, there was several strikes. There were the, the, the they were called Omaha, Nebraska, Sword and Fish. Those, those are names of different uh, waves of landing throughout Normandy. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones, but those are the ones I always remember. So Eisenhower, it was a daring mood on on Allies' part. Uh, they almost didn't do it because of the weather, but the very successful invasion of Europe, and uh, it was the beginning of the end for Uncle Adolf Hitler. After watching the, um, what is that movie that we just saw a couple, well, I just saw, you probably saw it before. With, Debbie Does Dallas? No. <laughs> with um, Benedict Cumberbatch playing um, the gentleman that made the computer. Oh, um, Something Machine. What was it? Um, Enigma Machine? or uh... Yes, the Enigma Machine. So is it really a daring move if we had all that intelligence information looking back now? Was it really daring since we had all that intelligence? It's still daring because water to the land, assault, it's always complicated. And you have to be a little lucky with weather. They really weren't sure if they should change, but uh, they said it the day for June 6th. Have you been there? I have. Have you? In the Normandy area? Yeah. No, I've only been in the southern part of France. Um, I've been to the beaches of Normandy and they have amazing... um, uh, They still have some of the bunkers and other things there and... They, have, sure. they used to have this map um, out, the strategic map, and there was little pieces on it, but obviously they've been stolen and other things, so um, it's pretty nice. The movie that Rosie was talking about, Enigma Code, for a long time... <clears throat> I don't think it's called Enigma Code. Enigma Machine, it, it, it's a way they were um, sending information throughout... First computer. That uh, It was the coding device, I guess. We couldn't figure out how they were passing messages throughout their um, military. They as the Germans. Germans. And... In case you're like, Yoshi, what are you talking about? 
and uh, <laughs> he, he was able to break the code and, and figure out. But I think they did a lot of misdirection. Like Hitler, it, it caught them off guard. They thought we were going to invade from the southern region, I think, if I remember right. But it was very successful, and uh, within a year, they were pretty much done, you know. And those ships were made in New Orleans, Yoshi. What was? The D-Day ships. What? The D-Day ships. The oh. invasion flat, flat boat. Mm-hmm. They were, there's a D-Day museum in New Orleans, and they have the history of those ships. So I think this is um, fitting because we want to talk about, and I'm sure, how, I don't know how many people will be interested, but we're going to talk about Season 5, Episode 8, Hard Home, Episode of Game of Thrones, and... I didn't, Maybe I, this is why you're losing listeners because people are not watching Game but, of Thrones. But I mean, I always talk about things. <laughs> I always talk about things I'm interested. So well, we're interested in Game of Thrones. Yoshi has got me addicted, and we're interested. So um, we'll talk from the beginning of the show. But last 22 minutes, I mean, I didn't see that coming at all. You know, when when they were in Hard Home, Jon Snow and Wildlings, free men, free people. That I thought it was going to be a bit of a negotiation. I thought it was going to be maybe a, a couple in that village for a little bit. I didn't know that the White Walker uh, from ep- episode one, two, and three, because they didn't. You didn't see one at all. Season four. You so didn't, it, but also the mm-hmm. um, when we watched the behind the scenes after the episode, the executive producers both said that this is a stray from the book, so nobody has seen this coming. Yeah, so it was fantastic for both <clears throat> the fan of the show and fan of the books. So I really enjoyed it. Last twenty-two minutes was. Um, it was pretty intense. It was intense. I mean, that was a. I mean, that was. A, it really was a short movie. So, very every episode of Game of Thrones is a short movie. I don't know how they're shooting these things six million an episode. I mean, that's cheap. It seems like they would be like twenty million an episode. How the content, the content, and the quality. I got the feeling that they probably spent more money for that particular twenty-two minute uh, at the end of an episode because I think a lot of White Walkers are CGI though. But the, there's a lot of people who were standing around for extra, and I think two episodes, three episodes before, it was a bit of a letdown, especially Dorn episodes. It was like. It, it didn't seem like it was a par with uh, what we we're used to, but man, talk about episode that make believers out of you. I mean, I, I enjoyed it anyway. I, w- I mean, I would have watched the whole season anyway, but this was a pleasant surprise. I mean, there were so many things that happened in this episode. So, you know, let's talk from beginning to end, and you tell me what you think. Okay. So, um, so it, it started with the uh, beginning of the episode where Tyrion and Daenerys are talking to each other and with Jormont. Oh, they're drinking wine, right? No. They're very beginning in the big hall. She's on the, uh, got the it, got it. top of it. And she's like, what do you think we should do with him? So she, she's basically talking to Tyrion extensively for the first time. Because in last episode, they just met at a slave fighting area. Yeah, right? yeah. I remember now. So there was a bit of a burvo jousting. Right, you could tell what Daenerys and Tyrion's going at it. This is like a round one, and Jorah, they have to figure out what to do, because remember Daenerys said, "What kind of queen am I?" If I said the first time, "If you come back, you you will be killed," and and I don't follow my word, and then Tyrion says, "What kind of?" Queen, are you if you're inspired if you're killing people who are devoted, are to, devoted you. to you? That is not to uh, encourage devotion to you. So, right away, he's giving her a good advice, very persuasive. And this is where you know, 
Just like if you put a stripper right by the pole. <laughs> okay. That's where they have the power. Just like if you, just like if you put a nun in Catholic church, that's where they have a power. Tyrion in the political arena is the most powerful, right? Not when he's drunk. The most powerful he is when he's in the game, in the arena of politics. Diplomacy and things like that. Is anyone else irritated by the fact that Tyrion makes a lot of really good jokes and no one in the show seems to get them? <laughs> yeah, he's he's he, so funny and like Daenerys is just standing there like blinking. I'm like, okay, lady, he just told some like pretty witty banter. He's very funny, and I obviously it doesn't make sense for her to break character and start laughing. Yes, but come on, somebody has to like chuckle. They need to show like a. a uh, guard in the back laughing or chuckling because he says some pretty clever stuff that's pretty funny and he's been so. doing it day one hasn't he day, day one my favorite line of the entire series so far that made me laugh so hard mm-hmm. was when a raven comes I think it's season two and brings Cersei um, a note and she rips it up and he says you're getting really good at ripping up papers <laughs> He just makes all these snide comments, and it's so funny because the, the show is so serious. Yeah. So it's a good amount of comedic relief, and it's kind of off-putting as a comedian because obviously the show, the characters in the show don't break character, so they don't laugh. Yeah. But it's funny. He's funny. Uh, one of the funny lines that he had for me was he says something about talking about his sister Cersei, who hates him. He says something like. If I was a mushroom, she'll keep me in the dark <laughs> and shit on me all the time. Because shit give, provide nutrients to mushrooms. So, <laughs> he, uh, like I said, I, I've said this many, many times. He literally is a giant mentally as a character. And he talks about that when he's captured in um, The Veil. Yeah. He says, you know, I've had to utilize my mind and make my mind stronger. Because, because I don't have physical strength. And he's definitely sm- one of the smartest characters. Absolutely. And John, remember they were tra- traveling with Jon Snow season one? He asked, how come you read so much books? Because you tr- you train with sore the way I train my mind with books, you know. Um, but his father's biggest weakness and fault was his inability to see how great his son is. Tyrion's probably even wiser than uh, Tywin. But the, the prejudice, because his wife died. I, mm-hmm. I think Tywin did see the intelligence in his son, and that's why he sent him to King's Landing to be the, the hand for a while. But he doesn't want to give him that. It's I think that he recognizes his intelligence, but Tywin's ego prevented him from... Seeing who he really is. I think he sees who he really is, but his ego prevented him from giving him what he de- felt he deserved in a way. Because Jamie's the golden boy, right? Jamie represents everything he he wants. I think if Jamie and and Tyrion could somehow morph into one person that was tall and good looking and still had a hand, <laughs> Tywin would give him everything. But Ty- but he was so prejudiced against because of the deformity and shame they brings to Lannister. But I think he was more pissed off about his wife's death than the dwarfism. But the dwarfism doesn't help. It does not help at all. And the guy. Jamie's incapable of having that kind of mind to be a great ruler, you know. So it, it's it's very sad because Lannisters would would have been in a better spot if the father and sister didn't have such a they have ego issues problem. Cassius is really good with short term uh, maneuvers, but she doesn't have a grand scheme and strategy like the old man. Whereas Tyrion has it, 
he knows how the short games affect the big game, long-term strategy. So, you know, there was a bit of a jousting, and they came to the conclusion that um, even though Jorah is devoted to Daenerys because he betrayed he should leave Tyr- for now. Tyrion's sensible solutions, like he needs to leave, you shouldn't kill him. He should leave for now. He didn't yeah. say leave permanently. He just said he needs to be not nearby you. Yeah. And if you take the Iron Throne, he needs to not be by your side. So, um... Sorry, that was a side tangent, but I just get irritated that I feel like no one is recognizing his wit, except for the audience. Yeah. Which is invisible to the show. I think that's why him and... I love his wit. Him and Bronn was such a funny travel companion, because Bronn was a good sword fighter. Bronn's really funny, too. He's very sarcastic. Bronn's really funny, too. Uh, Another thing is, do you think that... It's like, I don't know what Tyrion's motive is now. I don't know what anyone's motive is now because things are kind of starting to get mixed up. Because before, obviously, he wanted his family... Even though his family hated him, Tyrion wanted his family on top. Because it... But now that the love... Uh, he he loved Shay, but she was fucking the dad. Uh, I don't know what his motives are now. I don't I don't know where he comes from. I, I, think the, I think he probably gave up on life, but now he's back in the arena. He missed the, having power and having influence in decisions made by either the head of the Lannisters or Targaryen. And this is a perfect opportunity. I think he's revitalized. And this is a good thing for him. Also, how much do you think... And it's good for oh, Daenerys because she doesn't have any wise person advice. Remember there's a period when she was trying to get advice from a translator? That's stupid. She's only good at translating. <laughs> She's hot. She's she's hot and, and all that. But the translator is like, I can't advise you on this. It's like asking a medical uh, advice to a translator because that translator happened to talk to a doctor, but she's not a doctor. You know what I mean? <laughs> so this is a perfect combination, and uh, it's going back to what happened in the past. Her dad, Mad King, was advised by Tywin. Tywin. Yeah. So this is going back to. Uh, what it was before 25 to 30 years ago so I think it's a great combo and it was one of the few bright spots in the series because if you watch it all the time you see so many negative nihilistic things that happen this gives you a bit of a hope and it only gives you hope though if you're you're rooting for Daenerys I'm not, I don't know if I'm necessarily rooting for her I, I'm, I'm supporting her now because I thought you Tyr- said her storyline was boring it's boring now but until <laughs> Until Tyrion came back. I mean, when you associate with the right people, and sometimes when you associate people with the wrong people, I think he's able to put her in the right track. There's nobody there. Perhaps Jorah, but I don't think, even if Jorah is in a good Jorah grip, has grayscale. He's going to die. No, no, no. I'm just saying, even if he was healthy, I don't think he has the same level of political mind like Tyrion. Tyrion's a first rate. You know, there's only a few people that I put him in the same level. Tywin, Lady Olana, uh, Varys, and Littlefinger. I love to some extent Roose Bolton, but um, Roose Bolton is not that smart. He is a little bit smart, but he—I don't think he's that intelligent, as intelligent and savvy as he thinks he is. Only I, because I don't think it's very wise to put your rogue bastard son in charge of certain things. And also to elevate him. I think if he was really intelligent, he would have kept Ramsay as a bastard. Even though he needs him to legitimize the North with Sansa. Because he can control him. Well, th- His th- son is too much of a wild card. I think he only did that because he didn't have a son. But he also knows when you reward something, it motivates him to do the things that he want him to do. 
but Bolton, I don't think his ultimate goal is to take the whole Seven Kingdoms. Just the north, right? Just the north, which is a, still significantly the biggest part of the whole area. So I think in a limited strategic plan goes, I think in the last episode he talked about um, the wise commander will stay in a stronghold and wait until his enemies are starving to death and mutiny starts. Yeah, and Ramsey, his that, son, is an idiot and is saying, let's go attack him. I don't. I think Ramsey's an idiot, and I don't like... I, I don't like the amount of trust his dad puts into him. I think he's an idiot. I think he's just there for... Um, to piss off the audience because Joffrey was doing that and he died. Yeah. And because I don't... I haven't read the books, but to my what my understanding is, is his storyline is a minor storyline in the book. And... Um, Let, but let's go to sequence. Okay, we, we, all right. So, so, that, so that was the first jousting between Daenerys and Tyrion. And, and Jorah have to leave. Then second part was um, Cersei getting her face beaten by the nun of Melitin. Kind of happy that happened and kind of saw that coming like a mile away and totally shocked that she didn't see that coming. Yeah, even when, when, when uh, High Sparrow was talking to her in the last episode, it never really registered until very tail end of it. Like, she should have seen it coming. She's almost like that story that... Uh, what is that story that they put frogs in a pot of water and they slowly increase the heat? Oh, they don't realize they're boiling to death? Yeah, and by the time they realize it's too late, you know, they should have seen it coming. And uh, her old man or Tyrion River never fell for that. Especially if you know history of the... the First of all, you never put religious radicals in power when you're yourself not religious. Yes. <laughs> Unless it's a situation like in Saudi Arabia that they have this strong understanding where... It's mutually beneficial to have, uh, support each other. Saudi family, like, they basically let the Wahhabis and all those hardcore religious people do whatever they want, as long as they don't question the legitimacy of the royal family. Yeah, but I don't think there's an understanding there. And At all. She definitely didn't make it clear to him. She just said, oh, I... She came about it trying to manipulate the situation and it backfired in her face. She came she about it... She think she could control them, and, and that wasn't the case. Yeah. Until it was too late. So... What does that work? Comeuppance? She got Comeuppance, yeah. Yeah, she finally, <laughs> she got it, finally get it. But that nun kind of reminds me, I don't. I know I'm way older than you, but uh, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest, did you ever see that? Yes, I've seen that with Jack Nicholson, right? Yeah, the nurse, Miss Hatchet. Yeah, nurse nurse Hatchet. Yeah, she she reminded me that bitch, and she just repent, and every time she does it, she just smacked that Cersei's face. What I don't understand is why doesn't Cersei fake repent? It seems like she would do that. Because once you start repenting, uh, that will accelerate, I mean, uh, uh, quicken that her faithful uh, punishment, which will be terrible. My thought is fake repent and then take the, the nun down and get the heck out of that prison. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that. Because every day you're in there, you're getting physically weaker, right? So there's even less chance of escaping. And then her poor son, the king, is like totally depressed and like incapable of doing anything. I think she's probably hoping for a way out right now. Who's going to save her? No one likes her. Well, that's maybe she's delusional, but I think that's what she's thinking. Even her brother told her that before he went to Dorne. Jamie Lannister said, "People are um, loyal to our father, not us." Yes. 
you can't let you know let's we need to stick together at this point and she's all in la la land like oh my daughter it's like look lady wake up I, I got irritated with her towards the end. But they're loyal to him because Taiwan is very strong and there's repercussion if you're not loyal to him. She doesn't She have, doesn't have any repercussion, number one. Yeah. And number two... Not that that's Jamie. She should have allied with her uncle when she could have because people may have, have fear of her uncle or, or loyalty to him. But she was too cocky. It's like, look, lady, you don't have any power, literally. And her uh, uncle, Kevin Lannister. Kevin. That's, that's his name. <laughs> that sounds like a fake name because all their names are so like... Fantasy. Fantasy. Uh, Uncle Kevin. <laughs> and I forgot I forgot the main uh, old guy that looks like Santa. Maestro something, a princess or... Oh, Maestro Paisan? Something like that. He's mad because uh, Cersei was treating him bad. So she brought Uncle Kevin from Castor Rock. Now he's running the whole game now. So things have a shift. But you just don't know. Like, logical conclusion that she'll be punished, maybe even executed. But I, I, I don't know quite sure if that's how it's going to go, played out. Um, I'm not... I hate I hate that fake militant. You know, I don't like any religious group. So we have two more episodes. But right now, not looking good for her, not looking good for Marjorie. And Littlefinger have his filthy finger on both of their fates. And last episode, remember she had a, he had a secret meeting with Lady Olana. And he did, but don't you think the Faith could go after him? I mean, come on. He owns all these prostitution rings. Like, I'm worried about Littlefinger. I really like Littlefinger. I know you, I know a lot of people think he's a slimeball, but I like him. No, no, I don't think he's a slimeball. He is, but he is, very, <laughs> but he is very effective at it. I just want to know where this narrative is going to go. I think he needs to get the heck out of King's Landing because the, with this Faith militant group, I'm worried for him. I just know that he went down there one or two episodes ago and talked to Cersei and Littlefinger may basically let Bolton and Stannis fight to death and whoever is victor, he could sing his army and destroy them and put himself as the warden of the north. Because the Vale the Vale uh, knights are very good knights, right? Yeah, very good fighters. But they're especially good fighters when you're fighting two armies that are beating the crap out of each other. And they're so, tired. Yeah. yeah. So... Last we checked, we didn't see Littlefinger in the last episode, but uh, one before that, Cersei was supposed to talk to the king and make a deal. Yeah, but we don't know if she did or not, because the king's in his room No, 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 I'm just saying, I didn't say it. I'm just telling you, that, that's where it is at, last episode. So, that's, that's his motivation, but he will throw anyone under the uh, bus. It's just, he's only looking after him, and Lady Olana is correct. Don't pretend like you care for me and my family. You know, she, she's, she knows he's a bit of a border shitter, but I think he's, she is concerned with High Sparrow because there's nothing more dangerous than people actually are can, believers. Can you explain to me mm -hmm. this? Because I didn't understand it. So he brings Lady Olana into his brothel. Uh, brothel. And he says, I have some information for you. And she said, he said, I have a gift for you, some information. And she said, what are you, what, what is the gift? And he said the same thing I told Cersei. I, I don't understand what the gift is. He told Cersei that the Boltons are in the north. I don't, I don't understand what his information was. The information was, okay, so information was Soloris, the brother of Marjorie and the grandson of Lady Olana is a homosexual. He had an affair with Littlefinger's uh, pretty boy pimp, remember? Yes. So she, he was brought by Cersei to give information on 
Solaris to get him and Marjorie in trouble. So when he said another young man, he was talking about in that first particular example, he gave up the young man, Solaris, about his homosexuality. When he was talking to Lady Olana, the young man he was talking about is, is Lysol, that uh, Uncle Kevin's son, who became religious. Remember he has the big circle yes. scarf? And that's the, another young man he was talking about to get Cersei in trouble. Got it, got it. Because... So he gave that information to Lady Olena. Yeah, because she's threatening him. So she's, he is complying with his request. But both cases, it doesn't affect him in his mind because he's getting his enemies weakened or competitors Because they're weakened. fighting against each other. Yeah. So the information that he gave Lady Olana in when the When he's a one young man, he talking about those... Solaris and Lysol. Got it, got it. I, I was Lancel, just, however you pronounce it. I didn't understand yeah. what information he gave Lady Olana. He said, I'm going to give you the same information as I gave Cersei. I'm like, what's going on here? And this is very realistic because one thing that gets political people in trouble is always this sexu- weird sexual stuff that people are doing. And you, when you have information like that, you definitely have a power over people, you know. And Littlefinger was right from the very beginning when he had that conversation. Remember that... That conversation in the courtyard he had with Cersei, where he said knowledge is power, mm-hmm. and she then has her uh, her Kingsguard knights uh, try to attack him, and she says, no, power is power. Yeah. She's wrong. Do you remember that scene? What, the Cersei? There's a scene with Cersei and Littlefinger in the garden in, I think, season two. Mm-hmm. And he leans into Cersei's ear and says, you know, something blah 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 be careful something about your brother and you incest blah 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 and then he says knowledge is power Mm -hmm. and then Cersei says attack him and the four king's guards around her go and put a knife to um, Littlefinger's neck and she says okay don't do it and then they put it back and they basically obey her orders and she says no power is power and in that situation you know She's trying to exert her dominance over Littlefinger, but really, he's correct. Knowledge is power. They're both power, isn't it? The physical violence and physically getting people in trouble, and knowledge that could get people in trouble in court. And but in in his way, his power is more powerful because she has all the King's Guard behind her now, and she's still in jail. Yet he still has the knowledge, and he's still manipulating and playing the game. I I, I think they're both legit, you know. And the same thing with um. For example, Roose Bolton and Stannis. Mm-hmm. You know, that's power on power. Two, two teams going against each other, two, two, you know, houses. And yet, Littlefinger still has that knowledge of what's going on. And so his um, Knights of the Vale may be... He's using his knowledge as a strategic advantage. So really, sure. even if you do have more physical power, if you can outsmart someone, I, I think it's a better... Yeah, um, um, Classwit, he he's a military guy. Uh, he wrote, I apologize, I don't speak German, but I think he wrote a book of Von Krieg, Craig, on war. It's a very important book if you're a student of military history. And he famously said, uh, I'm paraphrasing. War is simply extension of extension of national policy by another means. So it's still it's a political thing, but you're trying to resolve political issues through violence. There's time to use violence. There's times to use negotiation, blackmail, things like that. So um, I can understand 
there's time to use violence and there's times that the violence is not an appropriate way to resolve problems, you know. So I could, I could kind of understand where Littlefinger is coming from because that's not his forte. That's not his strength, physical violence. And, ni- and neither is that Cersei's strength. Her strength is, I guess, legitimacy of being queen, supposedly. Yeah, so she doesn't even know what her strength is. I think she overestimates her talent manipulating people, but she's only good at short term. She's basically trying to correct the mistakes that she made previously, but by doing that, she created more problems on top of that. And that's what her father told her. You're not as smart as you think. Yes. And, he, and he's right. Um, you know, who could really help her in this situation prior to this happening was would have been ironically Tyrion. But, I was going to say her brother. Yeah. Um, so she's in jail. Then right after that scene, Arya in Bravos. And they're training her, right? The the, uh, the her um, teachers teaching her the assassinist insurance man. It, it, only strange thing about that is, why would you buy o- oyster from stranger with no refrigeration back then? <laughs> Especially the insurance guys hated. Like I, I don't know. I I wouldn't think I would trust anybody like that. But you know. Um, <laughs> There wasn't a lot, whole whole lot happened. I'm sure this is gonna be resolved because I think that um, I forgot the guy training her, who is servant of Faceless God or whatever you oh, want to Jack call it. Oh, Jack and Hagar yeah. or something. Yeah. Oh, that's funny that you remember that name. Um, so every time she gave a wrong fake tale, he'll kind of slap her. It's like, no, that's not how you do it. So honestly, he's obviously he's training her to assassinate the guy. Next episode, final episode. So that's pretty much it. The, the final episode is the conversation between Reek, also known as Theon, and Sansa. What did you think about that? Because this is a, this was one of the positive things that happened to Sansa when she found out what. Um, do you remember? I do remember in detail because that's one of my favorite storylines is the Sansa storyline. Uh, I was extremely irritated with that conversation. Mm-hmm. Why? I, because I think Sansa's a freaking idiot. And you know what? I really like her, but she irritates me. Reek is obviously her only hope of getting out at this point to her knowledge. Right. Correct. She doesn't know if Littlefinger's coming back for her. She doesn't know what the hell's going on. She's get, getting raped in the back room, you know, every night or whatever. She needs to be nice to him and stop and find out what they did to him. I know she hates him because she thinks that, that he killed her brothers and blah, blah, blah. And in this scene, she finds out he doesn't. But look. Peter Baelish spent months with her traveling yeah. and was teaching her the art of manipulation. In my experience, she wasn't a very good student because all she's doing is screaming and being desperate and saying, Reek, tell me, and Reek, go put this candle. This is not what Littlefinger taught her. This irritates me. She needs to be but he more... Did, she did get the information, though. She did, but she needs to be more calm and calculated and not so victim-y. I understand that she's an innocent girl and she's been through a lot and she's been victimized the whole episode. But what the heck was that whole three months traveling to the yeah. Vale with Littlefinger training her? But you want to tell everyone what she found out? Yeah, so she found out that uh, Theon, a.k.a. Reek, did not actually kill her brothers and that they're still alive somewhere and that he killed two farm boys because he was too scared to do it. So now, in the span of maybe two or three episodes... Things are looking really bad, scary. Now she's in in homeland. She has some hope. There's definitely hope because Jon Snow, her half brother, is alive, and doing he, well. He, and he may or may not be on the way back to rescue her, according to the North storyline. But and, and, and two of his her younger brothers are alive, or at least 
She doesn't have information. At least they're not dead. Dead, yes. Yeah, they're not dead. So there's three members that is alive. And she only knows her dad, father, and older brother are dead. Uh, and Aria. Her and her mom. Mom. And Aria, she doesn't. She MIA. probably. Who knows? She, she's, she's probably assuming the sister is dead, but there's no confirmation that she is dead either. So, um, compared to what it was at the beginning of the season, she has a bit of a hope, something to live for to her, me, but her family. She does have hope, mm-hmm. and I do like that, but I just don't like how how she is reacting to I don't like how she's I understand it's a horrible situation I understand you know Ramsey is crazy and all this other stuff but I just feel that Littlefinger did a very good job working with her to teach her certain things and explain them to her and she's not using them and that's what's irritating me about her scenes I I think I want to give her benefit of doubt and see what happened in the next two episodes um Because she has a hope, I, I think. You remember last episode, not two episodes ago, when when Ramsey had one of the guards take her out of her room and they were talking, and she brought to this conversation about, "Oh, you're gonna have young brother. What does that mean?" And Ramsey said, "Well, I'm going. That means I'm going. I'm going to have a younger brother." And she said, "Well, he's the legitimate heir to Ruth Bolton." And, and Ramsey said, I'm the oldest son. And remember, Sansa kind of smirkly said, well, you're a bastard. Remember that? And that's one sore subject that get under his skin uh, for someone who literally loved to rip people's skins off from people's faces. And it's true, you know. It was, but still, that's another example of a weak, a weak-ass move. She knows that Ramsey is a torture-hungry psychopath. Mm-hmm. She needs to pretend to be on his side and say, okay, well, we should kill that little boy when it's born. She needs to play the game more. She's like in La La Land. Her making a snide comment like that is like level one, like 101 dum-dum. She needs to play the way Littlefinger has taught her. She needs to do something. There, maybe, you know, you're saying give her character the benefit of the doubt. At this point, I'm... I'm just letting you know my opinion. I'm irritated with her. I think she can be playing the game a little bit better. I think that would have been a perfect opportunity to say, well, let's get rid of him then. Or something kind of evil to give Ramsey a little info that, hey, maybe I can work with this girl and not have to do all this creepy shit to her. I think you were a bit harsh, I think, because I, I, it made me <laughs> laugh because he's she's kind of like needling him like, hey, faggot, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Don't call me that the warden of the north when you have this brother with the better legitimacy the heir. So like, he's I I I I already do think he's he was already thinking about doing something, but like he just have to put it in. And that smirk that she gave, like okay, she's getting beat up and raped, but she still have wherewithal and like just let him have it because she can't compete with him physically. But boy. I stick, I mean, you know, for every hundred thing, hundred time you hit me, I'm going to give you that one thing that just get under your skin, which is he, he's still a bastard because that made me laugh when she, when he said, look, your brother's a bastard. Look at how well he's doing. And the king, Tolman, legitimized me. And her response was, oh, you mean another bastard? Oh, that guy? How legit is it? So, like I said, I, I really don't know. I, I, I just like the fact that she's fighting back verbally. But... I think, I think, you know, uh, after that scene with uh, Ramsey talking to Reek, 
there's a war room, Bruce Bone. You remember talking to that war council? Yes. And and Bruce said this very smart military move when somebody's invading you, you should stay in the strongest possible position, which is in your castle, and let the starvation and the cold weather destroy your enemy. And Bruce Bowen looked at Ramsey and said, you don't agree. And he basically said, just give me 20 good men to go in. So obviously, best scenario is when he's leaving 20 men. The worst scenario is he's sneaking to Stannis' camp and somehow kill Stannis or terrorize people. Best fantasy scenario for me, <laughs> either Brienne, because she's standing around outside of the castle watching, uh, looking for Sansa for the sign to help her. Best scenario for me is uh, Brienne ended up killing Ramsay, highly unlikely. But my ultimate fantasy way of re- resolving Ramsay is somehow Melisandria get Ramsay. She needs royal blood. Get <laughs> Ramsay and sacrifice Ramsay to be Bruce Bone. That would be so lovely, as English people would say. <laughs> but as you know, you usually don't get shit. You usually don't get stuff that you want out of the show when you expect it. I never thought of that that scenario. I'm thinking that uh, Stannis. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm thinking that Stannis' daughter is going to get sacrificed, but that may be too obvious. Because that seems very obvious, and Game of Thrones likes to throw wrenches in the... You mean that the father uh, uh, sacrificed the daughter? Uh, Melisandre looks like she wants to sacrifice Stannis. Oh, I know. We all know that she wants to do that. Um, But, like I said, just like last 22 minutes of this episode, I didn't see that coming at all. And neither did the book reader, because this is something new. I'm sure whatever it is, it will be unpleasant and surprising. (laughs) Because usually... The best episode is second to last episode every season. So they trick you by watching the third last episode, you know? <laughs> so the, the, I, I really I really love this episode. Like I said, I'm not saying that's going to happen. But personally, I would love it if they capture Ramsey and Melisandria, sacrifice. To go back to your other comment, though, mm-hmm. I already think, first of all, in the book, according to the different blogs that I read. Yeah. Um... Roos is under the impression that Ramsay killed his other son. So he has another son with another woman that was murdered or died mm-hmm. as in the cradle, quote-unquote. And he talks about it in one episode, but he just says it briefly. He said, oh, my other child died in the cradle. Yeah. And then he had another child that was, like, stillborn. So, and it's, according to the, the blog readers who are book readers, Roos suspects that Ramsay killed that son. Right. So I already... I'm guessing that Ramsay is thinking of killing his future new brother. Yeah. What I was suggesting was that instead of just making little snide comments here and there, I think that Sansa needs to play like she's on his side because I think, because I don't think he abuses that Miller's daughter that he like has sex with or whatever. Um, I think that Ramsay is sick and he, he's kind of like Joffrey, right? Remember when Joffrey kind of, like Marjorie kind of plays on Joffrey and it's like, oh, show me how to shoot a bow and arrow. Show me how to do this. And like, and there's also a time in the Capitol where Marjorie kind of teaches Sansa that. She's like, this is how you have to be with guys. There's a couple scenes where Marjorie is walking in the garden with Sansa and kind of like telling her about how you need to deal with men. I think, 
And what, uh, what I'm saying is that I would like to see Sansa play that more, what Marjorie and Peter have taught her, because Marjorie also taught her, and Lady Olena taught Marjorie that. And there's there are scenes where Marjorie is telling her, this is how you need to control men. I, th- I think <clears throat> it's not a problem, but I think it's a little different because Marjorie's older than Joffrey. She was more worldly, and she was able to present himself like... Even though Joffrey's a you know sociopath, she was able to play around with him in a way that he was almost like a puppy that in love with the new owner or something. I I, I could be wrong, but Ramsay doesn't seem like that type, where all you have to be is sweet and persuasive. But I'm not saying be sweet and persuasive. I'm saying drop some evil down and make him think you're kind of cr- fucked up like him, because what he enjoys is a buddy. That's why he likes the Miller's daughter because she does sick shit with him. That's why she likes the Mil- that's why he likes the Miller's daughter. The Miller's daughter went hunting with him to hunt that girl. Yeah. The Miller's daughter did that whole um threesome thing to to fuck with Theon's head. That's why he likes the Miller's daughter because she's a little sick in the head. And I'm saying that I think Sansa's intelligent enough that if she watches and takes more time the way Peter kind of taught her to, she could play that role and pretend like she's sick in the head. And I think that would kind of give Ramsay a boner where he would treat her as a partner, not a victim. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I don't think she could do it. It's not, I don't think she's a dumb person not doing it. I don't think she could sell it and pretend it to like make him believe her out of it. I don't think she could do it. I think she could do it long enough until she's rescued. Okay, we just differ on that. I just, I just, I can't imagine her like torturing people and enjoy like um, <laughs> that girl. She looks like she really loves it. I don't think there's no pretending with her, but um, you're right. I'm just saying, throw. A if, little- if, if she if she's able to do exactly what you're saying without uh, able to fake it and and uh, well, it's too late now because he knows she's a victim. Type. That that Ramsey could believe it. But she should have gone in doing that because she already knows... First of all, she already knows they're sickos. They killed her, her family at a wedding. That's like like faux pas 101, right? But I don't, I, don't, I don't think she knew how crazy he was until wedding day. She, she doesn't... She, she, did, she, she learned the hard way because I, I, I really think she didn't know. The sign of the Boltons is a flayed man. Their flag sign is a flayed man. They're but known for torturing people. That's true. And some people... I, I believe that Littlefinger knew the reputation Ramsey, but I think... I believe a lot of people say they don't know the reputation Ramsey outside of that area. I, all I'm saying is I think that Sansa should have taken more time to be more cautious and learn to manipulate him better. I actually think Ramsey's very easy to manipulate, as shown by the fact that his dad has been able to manipulate him in, in several situations just by saying a couple things. But he's in a position of power, too, and she's not. He's going to do exactly what the old man tells him, you know. I think Ramsey can be manipulated. I think you're underestimating the power of a woman. I think that if she had played her cards right, she could have manipulated him. Well, I, I, I just, like I said, I don't think... You don't think she has it in her? I'm saying I think she no, has I, it. I no, know, I know. I'm not disagreeing with I think you're right if she could do that. But I don't think she has it in her to be pretending to be cruel to something or some animal. I don't, I don't think she could fake that. It would be nice if she could, but I don't... Do you think Arya could take it? Who? Do you think Arya, if she Arya was in the same situation, would be able to? Or do you think she's too headstrong? Or do you think Arya could play the game? I'm saying it's all a game. And I'm saying that I think Sansa could have played the game. I don't before. think they're stupid for not able to do it. It's just some people just cannot do that kind of stuff, I don't think. Um, 
And and I really believe she probably didn't know how horrible of a human being he was. I really don't think she knew, and I think she found out the very hard way. But um, <clears throat> but I think I think she looks like a victim now. But I think she'll be. I I do think horrible this as this sounds. I think she's becoming stronger for it, you know. And I think having a hope is a dangerous thing. Like who said that? Like a little finger or something, but. Knowing her brothers are alive, I think that's a big boost. Do you think Theon is going to be um, part of the scheme to help her, even though he's kind of brainwashed? I, I hope so. But I could see, you know, just like there's so many infinite level of chess move, I could see every, I could imagine all kinds of horrible things that could happen to them and all kinds of good things, you know. What I would like to see is <laughs> not going to happen. This is very wishful thinking, like I said. He leaves with 20 men and get captured and Melisandria fucking torture and sacrifice him. That that, 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 that that'll make me happy because how ironic is a guy who is known to torture people get tortured to death. And they interviewed the guy who plays that character and he told an uh, interviewer like he should be dead. This is a character he plays. That he, he doesn't like that character either. So... I, I really don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I just got to. I, I just know that something horrible is going to happen, and always something that that uh, does it really have to go that way. So, um, final scene, right? The uh, the White Walker attack. Oh, before that, there's one more scene with uh, Daenerys and Tyrion in the bedroom. Oh, they're drinking wine. Drinking wine, and um, and I thought that was a cute scene. Very cute, very enduring. They shows their commonalities, and they're kind of chilling out, relaxing. The Burbo Jackson go back and forth, and she realized he's incredibly intelligent, could offer something. And the fact that they're talking about bears, and, oh, you, you remember when Daenerys said, oh, you mean the bears who was trying to kill me for the last 20 years, and... And he says, yeah, and the one, you could have been dead by now. Yeah. He was told to go look after her and try to have her kill but he always made sure she survived. And, and Tyrion is able to convince her. Because remember, she, uh, Daenerys asked Tyrion, do you trust him? Oddly, he's the only person I really trust. And Barris is, I think, a really interesting guy. I, I used to enjoy him verbal jousting with Littlefinger. Yes. So, that was really interesting that... Um, during the conversation Daenerys basically say she's a revolutionary she's not just a ruler she want to break this wheel you know one family is on top of it crushing another family just never ending cycle of uh, violence and power grab and she want to break that thing so she really is revolutionary I didn't I didn't know she felt that deeply so that kind of made me want to think twice but I love Tyrion I just love enjoy him talk so this is a great combo and there's a bit of a hope once again and i can't wait till see those two like a couple conversation <laughs> and jorah is going to went back to the slave owner he's gonna fight from uh big arena and he's dying so what what is there to lose you know i know but i don't i don't understand his motivation either it's like what is he trying to prove to her like i don't get it I, a couple of the characters, like, I just don't get their motivation. I, 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 I Some of them on purpose. Littlefinger, he wants people to not mm -hmm. know where his position is. 
But Jura, it's like, what do you want, dude? Like, are you, do you think she's going to fall in love with you? Like, what, are you trying to prove your loyalty? Like, I don't get it. I think there was some kind of rule. Maybe I misunderstood, but the, uh, there's a big arena. It's like there's version of uh, Super Bowl. And whoever wins that match will be bought by the royal family or queen or something. Oh, got it. So I think... I, I, didn't, I, I didn't realize that. I, I misunderstood because remember he asked like, if I win, how much money could you get? So the slave owner have incentive to put this guy as their champion. Because he would get the money from the royal Get family. the huge sum of money. Got it. And got he it. will fight in front of the queen with Arena and... Prove his devotion. Devotion. Or but what kind of queen is this to um, um, either kill him bad politically or and two, him, right? vanish him this is a one last chance for him to fight in front of her because in their and if he wins he'll be champion for the people and for and because their culture it's like a big deal this is a big okay, deal to the winner so I think this I is like a, why does he keep wanting to fight in the pits I don't get it this is a because when Daenerys released him he was a free man so this is his last hope I don't know what's going to happen but I completely agree with the reason why he's doing it I, I think he's going to be dead anyway. Might as well go to, you know, just glorious fight in front of the thousands of people watching you. And if he wins, who knows, he will be back in the good grace of Daenerys. You know, like, that would be politically unwise. Tyrion would say, like, look, he's the champion. You you cannot throw him under the bus. So that's what I'm thinking. That's That was my impression what I got from watching that scene. Um, or he could die very dramatically and try, you know, just kind of like... Um, show his devotion to her. Yeah, but... He, he could die. Who was, um, I'm sorry, who was your favorite character from season season four that died in the... Oberlin trial? Martell. Oberlin. He could die tragically like Oberlin. Yeah. And the next scene, second meeting with Cersei, the chemist advisor who is uh, trying to save the mountain, he's giving tidbits of information to her, trying to help her. Then that Miss Hatchet shows up <laughs> Beat her over the head trying to make her confess. She refused. And she dropped water on the ground and talked about losing power. Here is this woman drinking wine early in the morning, literally pushing buttons affecting people's lives. And now she's, uh, she's in the same spot as Marjorie. Drinking water off the ground. Yeah. Then after that, uh, Ollie bring food to Sam and his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that scene. And they're talking. Ollie makes me nervous. Ollie... Because you're smart. You you already know where he stands with everything. And there's something horrible that's going to... Because Ollie is, is super makes me nervous. He is, like, going to do some weird sabotage stuff. He seems like a cute kid, but, you know, he did kill um, Ingrid or Egret, whatever, John's girlfriend. And he is one of those angry kids with a chip in his shoulder. His entire family was killed by uh, free free folk or wildlings. And he ha he looks like he's about to snap at any moment. Yeah, because he's talking to Sam, and Sam is giving all these wise reasons why you make reconciliation with the wildlings to fight their common enemy. But I think what he said, Ollie's misinterpreting it, and I think he realized the Sam need to die, and I think Jon Snow have to die. And when the wildlings have to show up, they have to be dying too. That was my interpretation, just looking at his face. My interpretation is that um, Game of Thrones never puts a random character. Yes. There's a reason why they're there. And they keep showing Ollie like two or three times asking about this. Yes. And Ollie looks pissed, and Ollie looks like he's about to snap. Yes. <laughs> at any moment. <laughs> and um, Sam doesn't have that many friends right now at the wall. So, oh, what about we didn't talk about this last week? What about Sam having sex and losing his virginity? That was a big deal. Yes, right. The whole he, he nine seconds his, of it. 
he broke his vows yeah. and had sex with the free folk girl. Go uh, with Kelly or whatever her name is. Go Sam. Uh, Jilly. Um, yeah. I don't know what... It's it's just, it's just such a sex is such a weird put it power thing you know like she almost got raped so she rewarded him by giving him sex and remember she said like next time this happened just let them rape me that's what basically she was saying to him remember it's yeah. not worth getting your face beaten in so um, I know some people feel uncomfortable but I just think that seemed like rape's been a big part of the whole series right like rape sexually rape power people get their land stolen you know <laughs> basically people are always imposing their agenda on or their beliefs or yeah. their power or whatever I'm yeah so that's always been part of the show and first of all I don't understand what the big deal is I know a lot of audience members are upset about the rape storylines um First of all, I'm a victim of sexual assault, and I'm not offended by the storylines at all. Not only is it a fantasy show, but in addition to that, uh, there is a lot of violence. So I think the rape is the least of it when people are getting their throats slit right. and stabbed and, and well, it, arms ripped off and stuff like that. Season 1, episode 1, Daenerys get raped by her husband. But I think people didn't make a big deal because it was first episode, they really haven't got to know Daenerys. So I think Sansa is a character where... People we, are more sympathetic. Right? Sympathetic because she literally grew up in front of you. You know, she's been on the show for five years and yes, a young girl. Now she reached adulthood, real life. So I think people feel like she's part of extension of your family, right? Like, even though most of us are never going to meet her, but I think they have a feeling for her. So it was very upsetting for a lot of people. I understand. Um, but rape has been a big part of this uh, series. Not just that, but violence, murders, betrayal—you name it. You know. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't find it offensive in the context of the story. Yeah, I, I think it does not bother me being part of the story to present what she's going through. And there, she's been beaten, and and her dad's been killed yeah. in front of her, and all sorts of bad stuffs happened. Did you hear about that lady? She was gang raped in front of her father by three guys, and she just had a wedding because she said, "I am not going to let rape define me as a person." And she was very defiant, and like, what an amazing woman. And there was some kind of house invasion. You know, there's three or four guys raped in front of the whole family, and they eventually escaped, and cops got them. You know, they put them in the prison. But um, this this lady was just amazing. Like, no, I, this is something that happened to me, but I have control over how I deal with it. I'm going to continue to live a wonderful life with my love and family. I'm like, not going to be traumatized by it. Right? Yeah, she's. I mean, I'm sure she is, but like, she's she's defiant. You know, and to me, that's like she's like a, amazing, a woman, amazing. So what do you so what do you think her point of view was as a as a free woman like she was been raped before by her dad she doesn't care about rape or what 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 was the point she was making to Sam? Oh, you're talking about Sam's character. Well, she she's just saying she, she recognized that she lived in an era that that kind of stuff happened all the time. She doesn't like it, but she she's realistic to know that that could happen any given moment, especially in a place like that where she's the only girl. But yes, so. Um, so you, but but I know that the narr this narrative only conclusion you could make is that just like Amon, he died two episodes ago. That last Targaryen, he was hundred some years old. Yes, yes, yes. You guys need to leave. You oh, he, I don't remember him talking. He said you need to go south to Geely. He said that oh, you I need to go south. 
So Sam and her have to go. So I think that's another narrative. I hope they get out of there. I think she's good for him. Um, what is the whole deal with any um, Night's Watch that leave the wall get killed? Remember the very first episode? Ned executes a... Um, a wall. He, he Yeah, left. so what's the deal with that? Like, why? I don't understand. Because you may oath... And you're supposed to stay and help your brotherhood and fight back. But I could also understand why he fled because when you see White Walker, it scared the shit out of you, you know. Nobody believed him because you haven't seen White Walker in 8,000 years. But I guess you make an oath and you, there's a brotherhood and you got to defend each other. You don't leave your post. A lot of guys are forced into that brotherhood, though. You know, they say that they're, you know, criminals. That's true, another, too. So I, I really don't... I mean, obviously, it's not a very fair pl- uh, place that they're growing up in. But yeah. there should be something other than death, I guess. Some kind of... Um, I'm just worried for Sam's life if he escapes, that's all. Um, so we're at the last <clears throat> scene of the um, episode... I'm just curious. Was there who? Who do you think was the um, MVP of this episode? Uh, before I go on, how many die-hard book readers do you think we offend every podcast when we're talking about stuff and we don't know? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. How many book readers do you think are like, shut up, Ro- Ro- Yoshi and Rosie? You guys are totally clueless. You don't know what you're talking about. I would say 99.9%. <laughs> Sorry, book readers. They, because the book readers would tell me, like, I wonder something. Like, there's things time, there's times I wonder something. You answer it because you noticed that I didn't. And there's things like, I noticed I tell you that you, you, you didn't realize. But the book readers, you know, they're like PhD level. We, we're like in... High school kids trying to figure out math problem or something, you know? Yeah, I've watched some of the YouTube videos explaining stuff from book readers and other blog um, yeah. bloggers. It's like too complicated. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm one of those dumb guys that you're supposed to read this big heavy book for English literature. And you read Cliff Notes? <laughs> I didn't even read the Cliff Notes. I read the book and during the conversation, the class like, oh, that's what I meant? Like, <laughs> I, read, I remember reading A Brave New World in high school. I didn't even know the protagonist died at the end of it. Like, oh, really? I, I guess I fucking missed it. Because I got to uh, take a break for a second. Give me two minutes. Okay. All right, we're back. Last part. So we're going to talk about the last 21, 22 minutes of the episode. And first of all, uh, let's include even the last part. Who was your favorite person in that particular episode for you? I have one. Hmm. By the way, this is not a right or wrong answer, just a matter of taste. Why do you say favorite? I thought, it, first of all, it was a big clusterfuck and it was really scary. I definitely have one. I haven't felt this much liking someone in a long time since last season with Overland. Okay, tell me and tell me why, while I contemplate. Um, you don't have one? I just was shocked by the whole scene and I was just taken aback. My favorite character for this episode is Carsey. Who's that? She is... Oh, the woman. The wildlings, one of the leader. She was the first time I met some... Well... She put her kids on the boat and they left. Yeah. yeah. And she's turned into a white walker now. Mance, writer, a raider, uh, was somebody I respect. I, re- I don't remember the English actor's name, but he played Julius Caesar in one of the um, show on HBO called Rome. He brought this weight to him, you know, like you respect, like you can understand how he was able to unite the wildlings. She put face 
to that group of free folks. And like she was the first one like like I could look up to. And it's interesting that it was a woman and um, her name is Bridget Sorensen. She's a Danish actor. She was in a TV show that like called Bergen, if I'm Bergen, I think if I'm pronouncing it right. And uh, she's a uh, amazing actress. But Orwellin took whole season to really have that effect on you, right? Yeah, like well, you liked him from episode one, but the whole season you just like beginning to like and like, you know, you admire and like this person, you know. Orville was such an interesting guy, charming, deadly, yet very open-minded guy who's, you know, having sex with men and women and humorous and the principal guy who was there for avenging his sister. But, you know, it, it pretty much like love affair with that character for the whole season. She did this in 22 minutes, you know, with her acting. Um, I like Sand Snake. They were nice girls. But Carsey's a woman, you know. She, she, uh, I, I liked her a lot. Only thing I, I didn't like was why. I didn't like the way her life ended. Because why do they have these TV shows where female weakness is exploited? Oh, she saw a bunch of young zombies. She just hesitate. Now she can't fight back. I don't think that's what happened. I think she was just shocked she, by the image of them. I wish she would have died. If she was going to die, then I wish she died like a, like men just fight to death. Um, like when you have shows like Carrie from Homeland and Nancy Bowen from Weeds, they, they break female stereotype by not falling to that um, so-called female weakness. Um, Carrie from Homeland, I don't know if you watch, but she's a horrible mother. She says, like, okay, I have a kid, but I'm going to be fighting terrorists. Just put that kid away. It's not going to bother me at all. It's not gonna, I don't have any guilty at all because I'm just like man. I'm going to work. Take that little slimy kid away, and, and I'll let my sister take care of it. And Because for a second, I thought, wait a minute. Was two of her kids got captured somehow, turned into zombie? Then I realized, no, those were just, just happened to be kids. And um, I didn't feel that as a female weakness. I just thought it was... A shocking um, visual that they showed all those children zombies. I didn't. I didn't feel that at all, Yoshi. Because January Jones and um, Carrie Russell, January Jones in Mad Men, playing Betty, and Carrie Russell in The Americans playing character named Elizabeth, they're incredibly strong-headed characters. But they always uh, ended up doing stupid or weak thing just because around the kids, you know, and. One of my fic- uh, character of all time, historically, and in the show Borgia uh, on Showtime, it's uh, Katharina Sforza. Do you know who that is? She was very interesting uh, woman uh, during the Renaissance Italy. She was fighting against the Borgia family, who uh, Cesare Ch- Borgia was the son of the Pope Alexander VI. They're corrupt Spanish uh, family who invaded Italy and took control of Vatican. And they're corrupt. You know, the Pope fucks around and bribery and get people murdered and things like that. These are not nice people. This is an era where Machiavelli wrote the book, The Prince. And Cesare Vorja is son of Alexander VI, the Pope. And he was a religious order for a long time until he was able to get out and become a military man. And they have to fight this lady, Catherine Sforza. 
Sforza is Italian for force, and they're the family that were fighting the uh, Borgia family. But they're just seeing, and this is historically true. Cesare was able to kidnap and capture uh, Caterina's son, and they were at uh, Caterina's fortune and said, Surrender, or else we will kill your son. She starts speaking and screaming at her, and Caterina's Sforza was strikingly beautiful, intelligent, ruthless. Um, competitive and, and uh, she was just a tough woman she pulled le legend say that she pulled her skirt up and show her pussy to everyone and say there's plenty of that where it comes from I could make another fucking kid go ahead and kill him we're not going to surrender and man I always love <laughs> I love I, I love I don't you know how these dumb guys always like those Asian women, like really cute and weak. <laughs> I never really found, I, I never found that kind of women very attractive. You know, I like, I always like mean, ruthless ones. You know, <laughs> and and like the son look at Chester's Borgia like, I don't know what to tell you. That's how she is. <laughs> She's not gonna give up to you just because she, you have her son. And after a while, Chester just let him go because there's nothing they could do to her. You know. And I was kind of hoping because she was, um, Carsey was such a great character. I would love to see her in an episode to come because she was able to reason. Because remember, um, Jon Snow brought Tormund, the red haired yeah, uh, yeah. wildling, and she said, I don't trust the crows, the king of crows, but I trust Tormund. And if you believe in him, then I, I will go and leave with you. You know, she, she was very reasonable. And remember that scene, like, they killed my father and my brothers and, you know, all that stuff. And John Snow thought, look, I don't want you to forget that happened because 50 of my brothers died too. But we need to put all that shit aside and unite because survival depended that we do this, you know. So John Snow, like season one and two, maybe even three, was kind of useless character. <laughs> like, all the shitty things are happening to him, but he's really maturing. Like, remember that part where... Um, Jon Snow had that scumbag got his head uh, beheaded that scumbag I forgot the guy's name and when he did it Stannis kind of got to tilt his head like in the approval so Jon Snow is not only becoming a good fighter as a man but a leader too you know and he's able to negotiate and be pra pragmatist this is something you expect from the leaders you know so um, so so that, to me Carsey I, I really enjoy her sad to see her go but last episode uh, he was able to convince them they're ready to leave and next thing you know the White Walkers attacked them and um, I, I still didn't know what I thought it was just bad weather for a second I didn't realize this battle scene started and kind of reminded me uh, did you ever watch Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa no. at the end of it it's this amazing battle scene it almost reminded me this is like a, a new version of it and it's a fantastic sequence and I thought man well done Game of Thrones really enjoyed that fight sequence it was very very intense to be did sure did you see that coming? I didn't see it that at all at all I didn't see it coming and I did see it coming when the cloud came over yeah. the I know some that's usually not, that's usually not a good sign that something happy you know <laughs> a dark cloud comes over dark clouds come over and you see candy start flying from the sky a dark cloud went over and at first for you know one second I thought it was weather and then I thought it was moving too fast too I, I said there's white walkers 
and um, I always have funny things going in my mind even if there's a serious scene I just had this image of John because they kind of have this awkward silence as the boat is drifting away the yeah. final scene and I just really wanted him to yell I told you guys <laughs> <laughs> or just something because I really felt like you know be stubborn all you want the other um, free folk that were being stubborn with him sure but the fact of the matter is, you know they're coming. They've come before. Like, what's the point of being stubborn? You know, what is the point of them trying to trick you? Honestly, it sounds like a good trick if there wasn't so much evidence that they were right. coming. So I thought they were kind of being stupid. So <clears throat> white and the White Walkers, they're a different level of uh, class of a bad guys. And White Walkers... Um, this four horsemen was on top of the mountain. Remember, they're looking down to John yes, Snow. Yes, there was the king of the White Walkers and yeah. then his um, generals or whatever. Now, it's interesting. I didn't know this. Um, that particular fellow, according to what I read, is Knight's King. And he was 13th Lord Commander. John Snow is the 998th Lord Commander. So this is like, you're going back almost 8,000 years ago. So the legends say that Knight King... Uh, he was a he was a um, Night's Watch, right? Night's Watch yeah. commander, and they said that he was actually ancestor of Jon Snow, the Starks, and in fact the name is Bronn Stark, which is interesting um, he, because Jon Stark's younger brother, the crippled brother, is the same name, Brandon Stark. Do you think Bronn. Brandon's going to be able to control him with his mind? I don't know. I don't think you could control the undead, but. Well, what is Brandon learning in the tree? We haven't seen him all season. He's able to control, last time I remember whenever he could do it, he could see through animals and people. But remember when he but remember when he was controlling um, Holdor? Mm-hmm. The two traveling companions of his said they've never seen that before. And now he's in this like magical tree with the little children. Yeah. You don't know what he's going to learn. Maybe he's going to be able to control the White Walker's minds. And if it's another Bronn Stark character with the same name... I'm glad you brought the, 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 those little fairy characters because the ancestors of John Stark are called First Men and they were fighting the children of the forest. Now, um, going back to Night Kings, he was 13th Lord Commander. He saw a woman over the wall. They were saying she, her skin was pale as the moon and her eyes were blue, just like every time these dead people become white, their eyes turn all completely blue, right? Well, he left his post, left the wall. He fell in love with this this lady. They're saying something about she's a combination of a witch, almost like a Melisandria type of witch, and a white walker, and he becomes one of them. And legends say that there was a, one other time when the wildlings and the, uh, the crows unite to fight, it was him. They fought and somehow got rid of him. Now, 8,000 years later, he's supposedly back. I mean, at least this is the speculation that people are making. And it was interesting that um, he was watching from the top. He's probably watching the Jon Snow finding one of his lieutenant. And isn't it interesting, like, uh, uh, the difference between the uh, people in the White Walker management <laughs> and, and, and all the grunts are... The management usually have a clothes or armor on. The grunts look more like um, zombies. Zombies, yes. Yeah. Their bodies are falling apart. They look yeah. desperate. Um, also, okay, I know we're living in this fantasy world, but it was a little unbelievable. Don't you think <laughs> that John or 
one of the other free folk who know about White Walker history would try to set a fire. I know that they set the main hut on fire, yeah. but that was kind of an accident. Like, why weren't they, like, just setting fires left and right? I would have been just torching shit. I don't understand why they didn't do that as their first defense. Um, They're smarter than that. I get irritated when characters are not as smart as I think they well, are. Well, I think two things. One, panic. I think when you when you panic, you don't make the best decisions. And maybe they didn't have enough to start the fire. But um, I just think they just panic. Like, why are they shooting them with arrows? Arrows doesn't kill them. They're White Walkers. Put some fire on the arrows. Like, let's get a plan, people. Come on. I think they just it just cut them off guard. Oh yeah, but then you got you have to do something. You can't just. I mean, they had torches. Anyway, that's. Your I think I think they just panicked, and um, I I enjoy that episode. Some people say like, are they worried about? Because you just find out, um, Jon Snow ended up killing the lieutenant with Valerian sword, and now we know that fire destroys them. Valerian steel and dragonglass. Yeah. So now he has a knowledge, and once he killed the lieutenant, they ran to the boat. They got out of there. How similar mm-hmm. was the look that Jon Snow had when he hit the White Walker with his Valerian steel and realized had the realization that he could defeat him with Valerian steel? It was the exact same look. Very ironically, and the even physical position that Jamie Lannister had when he forgot that his hand was made of steel. Remember? Oh, when he blocked? Yeah, yeah. it was the exact same look, exact same body stance, everything. But do you remember this? There was a second when when he blocked, and the lieutenant uh, used to seeing weapons break when they fight with those ice swords. Did you? Did you I, I watched that multiple times, like watching nude scene from the eighties. Yeah, I was gonna say, were you jerking off to it? <laughs> I looked, and there was a second where they actually have a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to say emotion, but there was a look of hesitation, like what the fuck, you know, like because it was easy swing. He figured it's gonna throw the sword and I'll kill the guy. There was a second, like holy shit, what the fuck is going on, you know? It was the same look when the guy from Dorne hit Jamie and Jamie caught the knife with his metal yeah. hand and Jamie had the look like, oh yeah, I have a fucking metal hand and the guy's like, what the fuck, why didn't I slice his hand? It was yeah. the exact same look, exact same exchange. Yeah. In fact, when the second that it happened, I thought, oh my God, that looks like Jamie Lannister holding the sword. Yeah. It was, I don't know if there was a reason for that. Maybe not, maybe it's just a coincidence, but... So that was great. And right after uh, he killed that lieutenant... Ao, that scene when he was fighting, it always reminded me of a scene from Seven Samurai at the end of it. It's a beautiful choreographed fighting sequence. And um, the King of Undeads looking down, I think he was like, oh, this is very interesting. You know, like, I haven't seen this in a long time kind of look, you know. And I think some people complain, like, why did they make a bridge across the water to kill? But... Remember, like a couple of seasons ago, all the one of the lieutenant undead. I think it might have been the same guy who got killed in the last episode. So Sam kind of hiding, mm-hmm. and he didn't decide to kill him. He didn't. He just like let him go. He was hiding by himself, or was he with his girlfriend? He was by himself, and I think, or maybe with a girlfriend. But he, I think they did that because they want to let everybody know they're back in business. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he just he they. It was like the last scene of an episode, mm-hmm. and Sam was like, "Oh crap!" So. What a tremendous scene. I really love that. The, the, the dialogue between Tyrion and Daenerys, fantastic. 
uh, Joras uh, putting himself ready to fight in almost like a UFC fighting. Interesting. I wonder what's going to happen to Sirius and Marjorie. Um, I, I, I hope they get rid of the militant because I always hate the religious people first. But Jon Snow, um, if he think he had biggest problem dealing with those undead, wait till you get home. You're going to have an even bigger problem because Ollie, I, I you can already tell there's going to be a mutiny. You could already tell when that Carsey put the boat with two of his her kids. They're not gonna. They're never going to see each other. You just knew that was gonna yeah. happen. Yeah, you know? I knew that was gonna happen. That's like one of those things that you see in movie and TV shows. It's like, a cliche. cliche. She was like, she was like, oh, I'll be on the boat right after you yeah. guys. Like, yeah, right, lady, get in the boat or you're gonna die. Just like they left the boat, saying she said, "We don't want anything to happen to you, Jon Snow." I mean, he, she, she didn't use those words, but. She also recognized Jon Snow have to be alive for those people to get across the wall because if they show up without him, they're not going to take order from them. Yeah. So, um, very exciting. That was excellent episode. It's got to be in my top two or three, absolutely for sure. Interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm glad so many of these characters never interact with each other after five seasons. Uh, A lot of the characters don't even know each other in real life. You know, I saw an interview with... Um, Sophie Turner, who plays Sansa, and she said she's usually in Croatia because before she was in King's Landing, that's where they shoot the King's Landing scene, mm-hmm. and she, you know, barely has met um, Kit Harrington because they've never. I mean, even though they're on the same show, he's always in um, uh, Greenland shooting. So they actually, even though they're on the same show for five years, they don't even know each other really. Yeah. Except for when they're doing press stuff. Sure. That's so, the, that, that's kind of interesting. And... It's just really bizarre because you assume because they're on the show together, they all know each other, but. You know, she was saying, you know, she only sees Kit at publicity stuff. She doesn't know him. And, I, I, and that's supposed to be her brother. And, and other characters not knowing each other because of the different shooting locations. Shooting location, And I, I think we forget how much they're working. You know, uh, I think Bridget Sorensen, when he when she asked uh, the actor plays Jamie, it's a Danish name. I think he's, he's like, I don't think he's 100% Danish. He's... His name sounds like Croatian or something, but he grew up in Denmark. But they were talking. He basically said, just prepare for long hours. Long fucking hours when you're working for uh, Game of Thrones. And they filmed that scene for like 22, 23 days or something like that. It was basically one day for every minute they were filming. That's what it came down to. But boy, I, I really enjoyed it. What a pleasant surprise. The show is going to that direction where I don't know where they're going. But it doesn't seem like as hopeless as I'm used to seeing. <laughs> it's so nihilistic. Well, they only have two more seasons. They got to wrap shit up. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'll be very sad when this, uh, the whole series is over. But I, I think my only concern right now is that they have a great ending. It doesn't have to be a happy ending because I'm not expecting that. It's got to be a great ending because I think ending would determine how great the show is. Um so, uh, do you have any other prediction and, uh, before we end this? I have no predictions. I have read the blogs and watched the YouTube videos and the YouTube predictions, and everyone says something different. So, I'm up in the air. What I would like to see is for... Um, actually, I don't know what I'd like to see, because they've kind of shooken things up in the past few episodes, past yeah. few seasons, past few... I, I don't know what I want to see yet, I don't because I don't know where certain characters stand. So, I'm on the fence. Well, this is a very wishful thinking, but I don't want to see anything bad happen to Stannis, but I think that's a very, very, very... Oh, yeah, Stannis is dead. I think Stannis is dead. Wishful thinking. Um, 
I don't want to see my Lysandra dying because she's got nice pairs of tits. That would be tragedy. Don't you think her tits look fake, though? I mean, literally, she has, like, the perfect boobs. They're totally pale, and there's no veins or marks, and her nipples are small and dainty. Yeah. It looks like makeup. Um, they, I think they're natural. Um, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they put makeup or something to make it perfect, but... I think they're putting makeup because I've seen a lot of porn, and so have you, and tits don't look like that. She, that's her power, too. She tried to seduce Jon Snow, but... Um, and, okay, you're talking about Jon Snow evolving. Why does everyone keep telling him he doesn't know what he's doing? And Melzandra can see the future. I don't... I, I think she sees the future, but not complete everything, I don't think. Okay. She. I think she sees just enough. But why does everyone keep saying, Jon Snow, you know nothing? That that Look, Game of Thrones doesn't do something for nothing. So there's got to be some reason everyone keeps because telling Because he doesn't that. know that he is son of Targaryen family and Starks he doesn't know that yeah but how would Egret know that and how would I don't know I'm just there's something else I think there's something else other than that yeah that he doesn't know there's gonna uh, be a twist they like twisting well don't be surprised if you get killed in the next two episodes I don't think nobody's secure dude I thought Jon Snow was gonna get killed in this last episode I was like they're gonna kill Jon Snow they're gonna fucking kill him so I'm excited. Uh, it makes me always... Lo- I hope Barris come back in the last two episodes. I don't know. I hope he's still waiting at the fucking brothel. Like, where is Tyrion? <laughs> where are you? Are you fucking prostitutes? <laughs> Here's a guy with no dick waiting for Tyrion at the brothel. I, w- I would I would hate to see that. Arya, they need to do something with her. Hope- I know. We're getting bored of seeing her in the middle of nowhere. And then what happened to Bronn's little brother? He's with that wildling chick. Where are they? Oh, uh, Sand Snakes. The little, little brother? Oh, he's not coming back until next season. Okay, we don't know where he is. He's with that chick. She, yeah. like, fucked me on. Like, we don't know what happened to them. So, I think something dramatic is going to help with the Bo- uh, Roos, Ramsey, Sansa, Theon. I'm looking forward to that. And I want to see a sex scene with Roos and Fat Walda. And Theon, <laughs> Theon, Theon... Um, his sister's due to return to the series again. Remember the sister? Yes. Another amazing, what a great speech that she made. Like, she is our brother. We're going to go and rescue him, blah, blah, blah. I I'm, I think she's due to come back. Sam, they mentioned Sam's father. Remember Stannis saying like, so you're the f- uh, son of Sam Tully, the only person to ever to be my brother in the battle. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I think he's in, in play to come back uh, either end of this season or next couple of seasons because he owns Balerian Sword too. So, I don't, there's so there's so many other characters that we haven't heard back. And I, they're deviating from the book so nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going on. I know they're going to be coming back here and there. And um, I yeah. don't think they can tie it up in two seasons. they got to add another season. I don't think they can tie it up in two seasons. I think Never Say Never, these guys are amazing. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll, da- I'll doubt Allah, Jesus, and Buddha, but I don't, you know, I don't doubt the showrunner for Game of Thrones. I really think they know what they're doing, and they're making the show more exciting than the books, I would imagine. I'm just saying that without even reading the books, but I think I George R. R. Martin should be very books. happy with where they're going with this. So, Well, he's an executive producer, so he advises them. Yeah. A lot of people think he's just out of the game because he hasn't written his last book. No, he's advi- He's a producer. He's advised them. He also told them how the show should end in case if he dies. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he's, he's out of shape. Uh, <laughs> but um, I'm really excited. I can't, I can't wait. 
tomorrow is the second to last episode. And then um, this, I just want you to know, Rosie, you don't know what it feels like right after Super Bowl. The depression I have, like the football is over. You're going you're gonna to feel the same thing when <laughs> Thanks, week, week from tomorrow, you can no longer watch any other episodes until one year from now. Oh, no, no, not a year. Uh, Ten months from then. The, the depression and the, the <laughs> like, you're going to feel the pain. The way I feel pain after Super Bowl. So um, I'm glad you got into it. I'm glad I'm able to share this because I love the show very much. Um, I, I don't know if necessary it's the best show artistically, but this is a show that I'm getting most excited about. And depends on how the series ends, it could be the greatest TV show of all time. I hope it does. I hope it will be the greatest show. It would just depends on how it ends. But boy, you have the... Dr you know, next episode is called The Dancing Dragons or something. So obviously it's going to be going to Marine and something to do with dragons. But... Um, Exciting boy, this is going to be very, very exciting. I can't wait. This is in 24 hours. <laughs> I'm my hands are tingling. And Yoshi was making fun of me last week when we sat down and watched, and I said, Let's go, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you guys have a question about the show, just you know, tweet to us or email us. And uh, one or two people are actually watching the show. Um, thanks for listening. I really love the show, love, love, love the show. And I'm glad they were able to bring it to HBO. And thank you, HBO. And uh, if you could donate to Yoshi Den, it's in PayPal, yoshiden.com. And Rosie, you want to tell me about your podcast where they could see you? Sure. My podcast is Out of the Box Podcast. It is on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Yoshi is actually going to be the guest next week. We recorded it today, but I have a couple episodes before him. And also, since Yoshi's bad at promoting himself in a fake professional voice, I'll do it. Check out Yoshi at Yoshi Obayashi or at Yoshi Ditton on Twitter. And um, yeah, follow me on Twitter too, at Funny Rosie, and check out my podcast, Out of the Box. All right, guys. Um, we'll do another episode with Rosie, but that will be the episode with the last episode of the season. So, um, yeah, I'm going to ask Russell... Um, Peters, if we could go and watch the show at his big screen at his house. <laughs> no, they just built this movie room. It's incredible. It was shocking. Am I in? Are me and my husband allowed? <laughs> we should Russell go, knows us. Russell knows. Yeah, we we should go and watch the show. But there was a big storage room in back, and they made a movie theater. See, I didn't even know. Like when I got there, I didn't. What the fuck is this? They they were building this high fidelity, huge screen in a movie room. We should spend, celebrate the last episode watching Russell. And that's how generous I am. I'm willing to use Russell's place without asking him. <laughs> Shamelessly show up, eat his food, and... Uh, no, you ask him. He knows me. He'll, yeah. he'll let us come over. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you could join me. And uh, thanks for listening. And Rosie, thanks for um, doing this. And uh, I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.